Hey, what's up, everybody? First of all, I'd like to say happy holidays. Uh, yesterday was just Christmas, so Merry Christmas to everybody out there who celebrates that holiday. I do. Uh, although, when you're a parent, you, it's not about you anymore. It's all about the kids. So, uh, Second of all, New Year's is around the corner. And from my family to yours, I want to wish everybody a very happy New Year's and a uh, prosperous uh, new year in 2023. So I'm dropping episode 187. This one I pulled from two years ago. All right. I know. I know it's old, uh, but it's really funny that most of it is evergreen. And there's a couple of parts in it that uh, talk about, you know, what was going on around November 2020. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, and the interesting part about it for me was just the mindset, you know, then and then rewatching it now, it's like kind of a trip because we're still sort of in that stuff. So, like I said, contextualizing this episode, uh, Shannon Wilson was, is a uh, actress. I had her on because uh, she did a movie called Snow Babies and it was coming out. A uh, good movie. It's about heroin addiction and young people. I highly suggest you check it out. I will drop a link to the trailer, and I'll also drop a link to its location on Amazon Prime Video. So, like I said, uh, we were just about getting ready to we not do Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was getting canceled. Uh, so this is the time period that we're in. I make a comment uh, around 38 minutes or a little bit before that in the in the uh, video at the time about how I thought that, you know, the election was just happened. So this was after the election before Thanksgiving. Uh, what had happened was I, I mentioned that I felt that the media did way more colluding and uh, meddling in the election than that Russian collusion stuff, right? And today, as we sit here right now, uh, I was right because the Twitter files and just go and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up Elon Musk Twitter files. Everything you need to to, to see will be there um, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And so anyways, that's where we were. Uh, it's a good conversation um, and there will be. Some other ones, too, that are from that time period, because the folder, I've got a bunch, right? I'm not going to give you everything, um, just because some of the content will probably not be relevant now, because we were talking about something else. There's been some, uh, one guy went back to prison, so he is, whatever he was saying, uh, I don't know, maybe you have to discount. Uh, uh, two other podcasts uh, have since... Um, gone and are no longer doing anything and those were three podcasters that i i talked to so yeah i don't know if you want to hear all that um so anyways basically that's where we're at um uh, check out go ahead and conquer your inner bitch because that's really what we're all trying to do here is conquer that that voice inside of us maybe it's ego maybe it's something else that keeps us from from progressing or doing things that are uncomfortable so this was from onit.com uh joe rogan's um company so if you don't like joe rogan you're probably not going to want to support his company but i love joe rogan joe rogan's a shit 
So keep rocking, my brother. Um, so anyways, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. This evening, I am talking with Shannon Wilson, who is an actress, author, and songwriter, born and raised in Austin, or no, no, Houston, Texas. There's, there's a difference. <laughs> and actually, we're here to talk about uh, the, the last uh, movie that Shannon was in, which is called Snow Babies. And that is a movie about uh, heroin addiction. That start actually started out as uh, pain painkillers and then turned into a heroin addiction, mm -hmm. and you played the mother of the main character who is Kate, uh, Katie Kelly. Yep. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, just waiting. You know, getting ready for the uh, the Thanksgiving that's not going to happen. I know it's so weird. It just. I'm looking forward to eating yeah, because, yeah. but then I've already been eating. So it's nothing new. Yeah. Like right. We've already eaten our way out. We're trying to eat our way out of this. So we're like, oh, I guess we'll <laughs> eat some more and drink some more. <laughs> yeah. Definitely strange times right now. I've been up in, uh, I've been, uh, crab fishing for the last week. Um, oh. so I've been on the water, uh, outdoors. So it's been really nice. That's nice. Yeah, coming back to being stuck in in my trailer. I live in a fifth wheel, so I'm able to nice. move and go wherever I want. And I actually took it with me. Uh, my buddy brings his boat up, and I take my fifth wheel, and we just hit it for a week. Where do you go crab fishing? Uh, Bodega Bay, California. Bodega. Okay, all right. That's so cool. I love to be on the water. Oh, That's yeah. what we're planning on doing this week: is fish. We're yeah. going to go fishing. Awesome. Um, and off the Jersey shore. Yeah. Okay. That's great, man. I love fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the one thing. And I, I think, uh, as humans, we don't experience, um, things that are bigger than us very often anymore. Right. And when you, when I go out onto the ocean, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. I mean, just one wrong move and that's it. I've, I've mm -hmm. been, I've been out on the water times when, uh, uh, what are those humpback whales have breached within 50 feet of us and yeah wow. i mean like up psh, boom almost you know splash water everywhere and it's uh that's enough to to make you realize that you know I, i'm not so big in this world yeah it almost makes you feel insignificant in a way just they're just minuscule yeah last summer or i think it was last a couple, a couple of winters ago we took the boat out and it was we're on Long Beach Island. It's an island off the coast of uh, New Jersey. And it was so beautiful. It was just a particularly warm day. And there were whales. At, yeah, this humpback whale. The tail went up. And then there were school. There were dolphin. And it was just. And we brought my son's friend. And he still talks about it at the time. He was 11. He's like, that was the best day ever of my entire life. I'm like, it was for all of us. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really something special when you get to see what they're doing. And you're like in their environment. And it's like, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm in your home, so I need to be careful of you, not the other way around. And, uh, yes. so I actually have a video of that breach, um, on my Instagram. Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah. It was were you cool. filming it? Were you about to just, die? were you, you were probably completely just like in awe. Well, were would it just. What had, well, what had happened is, is that earlier there was a, a, a big, a big adult that dove like right off the bow, not the bow, but the stern 
probably probably about a hundred yards out. And I was like, and he went down straight up underneath us. Right. And so we were jigging, jigging for rockfish. And all of a sudden, all of our lines just went and it started pulling. So his door, he was, we were in a little 19 foot boat and he was right underneath us just going. It broke two of the lines and mine, I think I had braided, so it didn't break. But I mean, it was, that was the first, uh, that was the first encounter that was like, oh, I don't know about this. And uh, we just kind of, you know, we, we just stayed there and we were doing our thing and then off. So the reason why they were all out there is they were chasing a school of feeder fish. And so they were feeding. Okay. And so you would, you know, the, how you see in the. Um, yeah. So they were chasing feeder fish. Yeah. And so, you know, when you see the Discovery Channel uh, footage of them, they're going all, they're just going straight up and eating the fish and then coming back down. So that was happening off in the distance. And there was some juveniles that were right, you know, eh, not, not, they were far enough away from us where I was just watching them breach and play around and they started getting closer and one of them disappeared and I was filming it with my phone and one of them disappeared and you can actually see me like looking, stressing out. Like I started to panic a little bit. I'm like, where did he go? Where did he go? Oh my God. Where's it where at? Where'd he go? Right. And then all of a sudden, like Jaws. I, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I heard it and I turned around and he just, boom, right next to the boat. And I was like, let's get out of here. You could hear the fear in my voice. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. We need to go now. <laughs> How far offshore were you? We were, uh, we were, we were by an island. Um, it, we weren't that far off ashore, actually. Okay. Uh, they were pretty, they were pretty close in, but it was the island, like kind of like the little island that we were at. It's called Ana Nuevo, and it's down by Santa Cruz, like about an hour north of Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And uh, the island had it was like a sanctuary for seals. So there's a, a route. They were just came, they were just coming back and forth, back and forth, back right. and forth. And so we saw those. There was dolphins. There were um, there was a great white shark that came after the whole after they left. It was like you were in an aquarium. You were in an aquarium. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's awesome, man. I mean, how many people actually get to to witness stuff like that? So I felt pretty special. That is, I mean, that's that when you see things like that, it it does feel like you just experience something that's so rare for someone to see, mm-hmm. and you'll just never forget it. And it's it's like such a thankful experience. I, I, that's cool that you got to have that. Yeah, yeah, it is. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you <laughs> and your movie. So so tell me, I, like I did, I watched that movie and I got to tell you, um, there were some scenes in there that were very realistic. Uh, as for somebody who is was an addict or is an addict, I guess you would still say, because uh, I mean, I'm not practicing, obviously, but um there were there was one i don't want to give away the movie but there was one scene in there where she was just stressing out and just like looking for something to get high with and mm-hmm. i i remember that i remember doing that and i did it a couple of times and it was like oh my god it just it, it was so real watching that it was a great movie though thank you yeah that's i that is that it was so realistic they interviewed a bunch of teenagers and just got their stories so they could incorporate it in the film. Mm-hmm. So you, I was so naive to it. I didn't realize it was such an epidemic in the suburbs. And then when I started working on this, and I have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. Um, we, we shot it a couple of years ago, but I was like, oh, my God. It, it was really eye-opening to me. Because when I grew up in Houston, I mean, there was definitely a lot of, um, I don't want to say drugs, but I, mean, I guess there were drugs in my area that I grew up in. And, but it was, 
acid and <laughs> mushrooms and just different things like that, where now kids just can't even try something, it seems, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you just don't know how hardcore this stuff is that it can just turn so quickly, especially with pills. I mean, pills are so scary. Yeah. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, I went from a, uh, a 18, 18 year um, meth meth habit to, you know, I stopped doing that. And then I injured myself playing adult slow pitch softball and they put me on uh, Norco and the doctor knew like, like it was in my file that I was an addict and they're like, still gave it to you. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, we can give it to you, but we're just going to have to, uh, well, you just have to sign this waiver saying that you're not going to sue us. And so I was like, you know, the addict in me, I'm like, yeah, let me give me some pills. You know, it, it's legal yeah, now. Like, I won't sue. I'm... Yeah, it's, it's so. It's... Yeah, how were you a were you a functional meth head? I knew functional meth heads. Um. Yeah. Yes and no. So I mean, I think I was. For me, there was the the people, the tweakers that uh-huh. had a bunch of stuff going on all around them and never could finish right. anything. And me, it was the opposite. Like I would zero in on stuff. And I, I use the, uh, the example of like, uh, Bradley Cooper and Limitless. Literally, it made me just like super focused on stuff and I could get anything done. And so that's yeah. what I would do. I would, I would, uh, I learned, I, I think when I got, when I, uh, when I got raided finally and got busted, I had a hundred dollar bill on the, uh, thing. Cause I was counterfeiting hundreds. I would stay up literally for three days at a time working on something until I perfected it. Oh my and God. Yeah. It was, uh, it, yeah. You were like out of your mind. And then I, but I couldn't do it if I wasn't because my conscious would come in and I was like, I was like, ah, I don't want to, you know, it just, it just didn't seem right. So I had to be high to do it. So. Well, crystal meth too, doesn't that affect your empathy and you, you you become more apathetic, right? It affects your brain in that way to where you can kind of not have that conscience where it, it just, it, it, it changes your personality. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I remember coming across people that I would wait, I waited tables in my twenties in Denver and I would, it was such a shock to me. I moved out there when I was 21 and I had never experienced um, being around cocaine or crystal meth even for that reason. And, or, or for that matter. And, finding out that people were addicts Mm -hmm. and it was like, Whoa, I just remember the first time, I think I was 22. I went off with these, you know, two girls that were super nice. I think they were older than me at the time. They were 28 and they were like, Hey, you want to go over to this, to so-and-so's house during our break? I'm all sure. I know they're just like bust out the cocaine. (laughs) I'm like, and they go, Shannon, do you want any Coke? And I'm like, no, it's like, (laughs) <laughs> on a Tuesday and I have to go back to work for my four <laughs> and then I found out I'm like oh my god you guys freaking do this every day and I wonder about those people and where they're at now like I really do especially the people that I used to see know popped pills a lot mm-hmm. and drink red wine there were specific girls that would do that a lot and I think oh my god I hope they're alive now honestly yeah yeah well that that's the that's the dangerous part about uh pills and I would never like I, I like I said I I went from you know that and then I got addicted to the pills for about seven years, and I went from you know getting fives uh, like point five Norco and then when I finally stopped I was up to uh, ten milligram Percocets and uh, milligrams and, yeah and so it was you know I was doing like twenty or thirty of them which you know, a day which 
I mean, is I've heard of people, I've I've interviewed people that have done way more than that, but I mean, it was it was just one of those things that I, I it just happened, you know. It, it I didn't want it to, and and it just did. And I ended up having to, when I finally stopped, I mean, it's like, dude, I've been through so many rehabs. I'm not going to go to rehab again. What, what am, mm-hmm. like, like, I know all the lingo. I can go in there and just, you know. You're but, smart enough so you can figure it out. Yeah. And so what I, say. yeah. So what I did is I just went, did half, half, just half the dose every, you know, every week until I could wean myself off of it. That's and smart. I, and then I used uh, edible marijuana to, kill the rest of the i mean i still felt the discomfort of the withdrawal but it it made it manageable for me huh that's interesting yeah i i don't think you know if if my kids got injured i would never put them on any sort of pain medication that way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. any sort of vicodin or because since doing snow babies i've heard so many stories of star athletes getting a field one girl had it was on her way to notre dame she was a junior playing um was heading to Notre Dame when she graduated for field hockey, got injured and was became a heroin addict and was down on Kensington Avenue where a lot of this film was shot mm-hmm. and ended up ODing. The mom had to go fetch her off of the street, which is the epicenter of the heroin problem in our country. And this is a 16 year old girl. And that was from a field hockey injury. So I think doctors know better now, um, but it, they can still get, it's prescribed. I had surgery last month and I had a lot of pills prescribed to me. I mean, not a lot, but yeah, yeah. if I had a problem, people with problems aren't going to necessarily say they have a problem just so they can get it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's right? uh it's, it's not a, I, you know, I, I agree. I agree with you. I do think that since it's become such a huge deal that doctors definitely are afraid to prescribe it now. Um, right. and you know, it, it was to the point, I think the reason why I, I had stopped was, uh, well, one, I was going to do this podcast and I was like, all right, well, I can't be talking to people about addiction and all this other stuff when I'm sitting here, you know, still popping pills. And mm-hmm. so that was one of the main reasons why. And then another one was, is that they, they gave me the option cause they, they drug tested me and it was in my system, but there was also marijuana in my system too. And they're like, well, you're going to have to choose one or the other. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll choose the one that's better for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me see. Let me out. Wait, let me weigh these. Yeah. Of course you're going to, what did you think of the scene when, um, Katie Kelly was the lead actress. She plays my daughter with mm-hmm. during the scene with the police officer when she was patting her down and giving her the urine test. I know that was my friend Jimba that was in that scene, the actress, she's an actual Philly cop. Oh, really? Um, in the one scene. Yeah. Where she was like against the wall, Kristen, you know, Kristen yeah. McCusker. So she's so scary. And I can, she's, yeah, she's, an, she's, she was a 15 year, she's a 15 year veteran of the Philadelphia police department. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, they, they did it. They, they built it up. And you could, you could, I could feel the, the tension, you know, and, yeah. and the nervousness and, and the, I mean, the first time that happens to you, even as a guy, the first time when you ever experience having to, to dress down, squat, cough, be naked in front of, in front of everybody. And, and she was by herself when you're, when you're literally, uh, in, unless you get arrested by yourself, but usually you're like within a group and, you're all just naked right in front of each other doing, doing that. So that's what Jim has said. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's very degrading. Um, it's humiliating. Uh, it, it's, there's just, there's just so many things that are wrong with that. And for 
people that are already traumatized from whatever it is, the reason why they're using. And my, my biggest thing now, since having gone through all of that is I think the number one public safety issue should be untreated trauma because that's, that's what spurs all of the problems when you're, when you're running around having all of these, these, these traumatic events in your life that have happened to you and you've, you've got nowhere to go with them. Um, and you just try to try to self-medicate and, and just wish it away. But it, you know, the, the, the problem isn't, the problem is within you, not, not mm-hmm. anywhere else. And you have to come to terms with whatever traumatic events in your life that have happened. I mean, I can't speak to, you know, rape or any of those other things, but I mean, I can't imagine like a woman having to go through that, you know? And right. I, I believe that there was a traumatic event that happened in, in that movie as well. Um, that kind of spurred that on. Yes. And, uh, and I don't think that's, I mean, that that's more common than I think people understand. Uh, we want, we want the film. We want it to be respectful of people who have gone through trauma. Like you said, uh, not have a stigma to it, not to blame the mother or the parents or the drug addict and, and just to know that it can happen to anybody at any time. And that was the message of the film. And it showed that there's hope at the end too. Nikki Six from Motley Crue is really involved with it. And Alan Kovac, who managed Motley Crue, who's seen so many drug addicts mm-hmm. because he's been in the music industry for so long, bought the film. So they just did a really great job of supporting us and wanting the, the original movie at the end was so horribly sad that it just ended that way. And the focus groups were so devastated they, they wanted us to add another ending so that it showed some hope at the end. Um, and that's what we did. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I got me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying. I yeah. was crying at the end too. And I was in, uh, that was my scene, but uh, yeah, you're like, this is so sad. And it is, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's, there were, there were quite a few families that came on set as extras, um, especially at the end, they wanted to be there to support the film. And that was really hard to be, to do a scene in front of them acting out what they've actually experienced. Mm -hmm. That was really challenging. Uh, You know, you don't want to do a disservice to a mother who's actually buried her son. So that was, that was challenging. Yeah. And and it was, there was a twist too, because I mean, it didn't, like I thought for sure it was going to be, it was going to go a different way and it, and it, and it didn't. And I mean, that's, that's addiction. You know what I mean? I mean, you got it perfect because thank you. it, it, there's no, you can't script it, you know, what you think is going to happen or you, maybe you think you're, you, you beat it. Um, but you haven't dealt with the issues. They don't go away. No, they just spiral. Yeah, they don't go away. And when you even when you take the substances away, it comes out in different in different areas. Like for me, you know, I when I wasn't I didn't. So I I stopped doing meth. And I, uh, I, I never really dealt with any of the the other things, you know, like the behaviors, the attitudes, the you know, everything else that goes along with it. And it just started coming out in different areas, like in anger. Like I was, when I play softball, I try to, somebody would set me off and I would try to fight everyone. And, it, it, but it, but that's just how it, it's un, it's still untreated. <laughs> you know, the, you still, I've still haven't dealt with it. And so it would just, just 
spill out, you know, when I, at the, in the least, uh, uh, just in, in times when it was not you very expecting it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't convenient for me or anyone else around me. <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of a hothead. They're like, that dude's a little intense. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't pick him on your team. You're taking him on the slow pitch softball team. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Sean got injured, so he's not going to be here next week. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, it, it's just you know, addiction is a is is crazy, man. And it there's there's no, it there's no one size fits all to any of it. I mean, and there's no no one size fits all to anything in life because no. we all are different and we're all built differently. We, I mean underneath we're all biologically the same we're we're have the same you know functions and everything else but you know how we're right. raised and how you know different things that we have like i i use the analogy a lot is like our like we're like we're like a, a hard drive in a computer and every time we experience a trauma a fragment goes out right and so at some mm -hmm. point throughout your life, you have so many of these fragments that go out, 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 out. And what happens to a hard drive and a computer when it's all fragged up like that? It doesn't run right. It stops working. Yeah. It stops yeah. working. Doesn't run right. It, it, you know, it, it misplaces files. And does all, yeah. And so you have to reset and that's what, you know, dealing with your untreated trauma is, is it's a hard reset. It's, that's my biggest fear with my kids is drugs. Um, my dad's sister was addicted to drugs and she still struggles with it. And you know, you burn every bridge by the time you're 62 or 63. I mean, you've just, and you've done, you've been, a, you've been involved in things since you were 14. You really, you pretty much burn out on that. You just burn things, burn everyone. And, and nobody's at that point, everybody's just done helping. And that's, that's the sad part too, because kind of left to their own devices. They just are left out there on their own. I don't know. It's yeah. tricky. That's a tricky thing too, you know? And well, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different takes on it. I mean, there's a guy that I, I listen to, his name's Johan Hari and uh, he's really good when he talks about addiction and he says the opposite of addiction is connection. And so what, what we normally think would, you know, tough love, well, that's, that, that's not connection. You know, that's more, that's more yeah. of the, the, uh, you know, like the, I guess the, the punitive, uh, way that we deal with, with addicts now. I mean, Jesus, how many addicts are, are sitting in prison, uh, you know, because they are just drug addicts, you know, and they just get caught up. I mean, I was talking to a bunch of people, well, not a bunch, but about 10 people that are in federal prison right now out of the Northern district of Texas, which is Dallas Fort Worth. And they get caught up on these conspiracy charges and cases and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they, they're getting handed like 25, 30, 40 years, some of you in life sentences. And I asked every single one of them, I said, so, I mean, you know, this is the first time you've been in trouble. The first time you've been in prison. I said, when you first got in trouble for drug charges, were you ever offered like rehab or any kind of rehabilitation or like counseling or anything like that through the courts? And they all said no. And in California, I mean, Jesus, you drug diversions. The first thing you do, I mean, you get so many chances in California. It's crazy. Yeah. So but you didn't, you don't get that in Texas. No. And that's where, that's where my family is, is in Texas, but it's, it's, 
it's not even a tough love approach because everybody was always, and I'm not specifically talking about my aunt, but mm-hmm. just in general, it's just tough because you, I mean, she did, she tried to give me drugs when I was, you know, young to party with and it, just unacceptable, you know, to give that to your niece or to try to get her to do things too. And, um, but it's just the stealing and then the lying and then the, you know, it's just, it's just, it, non it's just over and over and over again and that's so tough because i can see why as a parent you don't want to do a tough love or kick your kid out or cut them off i mean how tragic and horrible it is for everybody involved it's just it's so sad and you just so that's why i think it's that's my big fear with my kids is them to try something and get addicted so i'm very much into especially since doing snow babies very much into lecturing them about stuff <laughs> not trying anything don't try any bills don't try it you know what's in it it could be bleach yeah. you'll be selling yourself on the streets like i'm super hardcore <laughs> my son's like what yeah what's yeah. wrong with you yeah, what are you watching <laughs> um, i know i told him that not too long ago i'm like and then you'll be selling yourself on the streets he goes god you're so weird <laughs> like i know i'm taking it above and beyond i just really don't want you to do any drugs oh, yeah <laughs> that's crazy but so you just you just sparked a memory here. Do you know the first person that gave me uh, meth was my dad's uh, new wife's sister, who was like fifteen years older than me. So I was a freshman in yeah. high school, and uh, that'll be us. Yeah, and I, I I knew where to go to get it. My friends wouldn't. My friends had started doing it, but they wouldn't give it to me because they didn't want to be the one to to start me on it. And because I was the youngest one in the group, and so I'm like, all right, well, if you're not going to do, I'm gonna, I know where I can go, I know who's got it, and sure enough, she gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, there's always that one person. It's so it's that's just sociopathic to give a kid crystal meth or drugs. I mean, that what what kind of state of mind are you in that you're you want to party that hard that you're like, oh, okay, I'll party with this 15 year old. Yeah, yeah. Well, misery when loves company. Yeah, yeah. Misery that's loves true. company. I mean, you know, and that's that's a cra- that was a crazy thing too. Is that you know every time I'd be around, like ah, you go to these different places and different houses, and and you know these people that are hanging out in like they're always shady. Yeah, it's just it was always shady, man. And, and, and like half the time, I was like, God, what are you doing here? Like you don't even you don't belong here. Yeah, I remember being I, I it's in situations where people. I was always able to hang out with everybody and I was always kind of a, wasn't a goody goody, but I can hang out with the wild crowd. I could hang out with the nerdy crowd. I played sports, but I could always be mm-hmm. in whatever crowd I was in. So I was never really judgmental. I was never like, Oh my God. So I saw a lot and I was in places where there was a lot happening. And, um, but there were times where, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I'll try something. And they, and there was always the people that really knew best what was best. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, this is not for you. You don't want to be like this. You know, don't you appreciate those people? Like those are the, the con, those are the, what is it? The good Samaritan drug addicts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. They're like, you don't want to be like me. Plus yeah. it's more for me. I'm not going to share. It's probably more what it's about. But yeah, yeah, um, right. I remember times where, where there's one particular girl, she was older than me and she was, she was like, you don't want to, you don't want to do this shit. Like you don't want to, you don't want to touch it. And, um, I was like, you're right. I really don't, you know, I don't. And, uh, I, I appreciate that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's funny how you have memories like that in your head of different yeah. past experiences, how they just flash in your head, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, when people when people see more in you than you see in yourself, and and they don't want like it's it's almost like they they see your potential and they know that they've wrecked yeah. theirs, and they don't want you to have right. to experience the same thing. So yeah, yeah. That's, that that's they're uh, looking out for you. Yeah, those those are cool people. Unfortunately, you know, yep. too bad that they were struggling themselves, but you know, hopefully they they got their they found their way through. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, so it, what else? Uh, you did this movie. You've done a f- How many other ones have you done? <laughs> uh, I've done a few. I, this this year's been good, a year and a half. Um, I did one fe- feature. I can't really talk about it. They made yeah. me sign an NDA. Okay. But uh, I enjoyed that. And that was also, that's another movie about, what can I say? It's kind of, it, ha, it, it takes place in Philadelphia and the, and the, it has to do with drugs and the inner city. So it's a fantastic script and I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. So I can't wait till that comes out. And then we have another film finding Christmas coming out. We'll start shooting, we'll start shooting in a December and that's a Christmas movie. Okay. I get to play a South Philly, um, like a woman who's married to the mom. Boss. Okay. <laughs> so I get to have the Adriana hair and the, the whole thing. So it's a different kind of character for me. And I'm really looking forward to being play somebody different like that. So you, so you didn't start out as an actress, right? You were, I, yeah. I read your IMDB and you, uh, you did something for like 14 years. You were in, uh, you started some, a business. Yep. So I used to live in California in Hermosa Beach okay. just for a couple of years. And I started, you know, you're so poor out there in L.A. I didn't go out there for acting. I just went out there to see if I could model, do runway, do some commercials. Just, I wanted to experience it because mm-hmm. I knew I was about to get married and I always wanted to go to L.A. It's hard. It's hard out there, man. I was so poor. Um so I would take, I would do promotional jobs where you pass out mark. Somebody's like, Hey, you can par- pass out products and get paid hourly. It's extra money for marketing companies. So I learned about that. And so when I moved out to New Jersey, I started my own promotional staffing company and ended up having it for 14 years and staffing nationwide for Verizon and Unilever. And I just I had quite a few employees, hundreds of staff. And I did that for a long time. Um, it was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure that yeah. act, acting is a little bit more fulfilling. Yeah. Well, folks, I love business and I'm very business minded. So I always wanted to have my own company. That was one of my goals. And so I'm actually probably, that's probably one of my, the most proud things I am of is that I started a company and, and did so well with it. That's yeah. something I'm, yeah. And acting is fulfilling in a creative way. I get to, um, work with just other creative people. I'm not around anybody. Create. I, I mean, there are creative people here, but I'm in the suburbs of I'm outside of Philadelphia and South Jersey in this little town. It's very type a people who love to talk about where they went to college. I went to the small, little, I went to the small little college in Texas. I never, ever felt insecure about that until I moved to the East coast. And I'm like, what the, yeah, I'm like, why isn't why do they're asking me where I went to college so that they can then say, yeah, yeah. you know, I went to Cornell <laughs> when I was at Princeton running track. <laughs> you're you're being, you're being shamed. To beat up. <laughs> yes, I'm like you're like university shaming me. <laughs> yeah, hi, hi, higher um, education so that, shaming. <laughs> yes, there's it's true. I'm going to start a. Uh, everybody's protesting things right now. I'm going to protest that. Um, 
so it's nice to be around creative, you know, people that don't really care where you went to college. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I was a I, I was a drama nerd in high school, uh, before I got okay. in tr- before I got in trouble. Uh, I did. I uh, was in. Well, part of the reason was is that it when you have electives. I I chose for when I was a freshman. I chose all of my electives as theater, uh, combat <laughs> combat theater, like stage, all combat this. Training. Yeah, musical theater, all these things. I've, I've been in a couple of different productions, and then uh, once I got out of the, my first drug rehab. I got up. My first job was a building sets for a professional uh, uh, theater company. Oh wow! Yeah. I that was fun. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I got to work the lights. I got to do all the stuff back, you know, behind the scenes when the production ja- a- yeah. actually happened. I, that, I was an extra in one of them too, so it was cool. Um, I never did anything with it though. Well, you probably, that's something you could always go back to. I'm always, the, the crew guys are always so great and girls. There's lots of, you know, it's both. Um, they just know what they're doing and everybody has their job. That's mm-hmm. what I, it's almost like a military thing where everybody's got their specific job and nobody crosses one another's jo- yeah, yeah. another's job. So there's no confusion as to what everybody's doing. It's, I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. very organized. If you're on a good set, mm-hmm. And for the most part, I have been. I've done some student films that, but even those were for NYU because I had nothing on my reel. When I started auditioning, I did not have anything to show casting directors that I could even act. Um, but my manager, Georgianne at CPM Talent, um, believed in me. And I would just, I slowly chipped away, did free work on student films and just booked little things along the way. Um so I've been pretty, I don't know what my point was, but I've been pretty lucky on sets with some good, good crew. Yeah, that's cool. You didn't have to go the whole uh, the acting school route and and all that. No, I probably should have. But I did take acting classes. I did do that in L.A. Yeah. I think everybody <laughs> that goes stuff. to L.A. does. <laughs> L.A. was so funny because that you'd be in coffee bean, of course, and I'm scrounging together my change to be able to afford my coffee. And there would be like the most gorgeous guy ever. And I'm like, Oh my God, he must be somebody. And then I would leave at the same time as this guy. And he would get, you know, have to crawl in through his passenger side to get into his car because <laughs> the driver's side door didn't open because <laughs> yeah. it was stuck for some reason. And he's like, rrr, rrr, like driving away. <sighs> Like you look just like Brad Pitt. That's crazy. Um, so that was really interesting in California to see that. Yeah, yeah. California is is something else, man. It's uh, I I love it and I hate it at the same time. Um, I I love the weather I can here. See that. I love the weather here, but I mean everything is a fee. There's a fee for everything. You sneeze wrong. There's a fee. You know, you, you, it's just, it's so expensive. It is. That's why everybody's moving to Texas. Yeah. California's, remember a while they were all coming to Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was leaving to go to Colorado. Colorado got so packed, but now they're all heading to Austin. Yeah. They're going to Austin, but they're trying to, to, uh, this this is what I hear from people is that. The problem with the people that come from California is they leave California because they hate all the everything that's happening here. But the minute they touch down wherever they're at, they want to continue doing. They, they want to continue to create the the Their same. Yeah, the environment that they just left. 
It's, They're like overbuilding in Austin. You're like, stop. <laughs> it was this beautiful like grassland and plains and hill country. And they're just coming in. And then suddenly there's this river in, in Austin, the Guadalupe River, where you literally float in inner tubes. Mm-hmm. And it's just redneck Riviera. It's awesome. <laughs> and all of these wealthy people have moved along this river and don't want that happening anymore. You know, you're like, forget you. This is what we've been doing. Yeah, and yeah. these people, right, since the 70s or 60s. And then, the, like, yes, they move in. They're, like, dictating how they want the river being handled in this. I, I totally hear you. That's so true. Yeah. You assimilate to us, not us to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's that that's probably one of the most annoying things. And I thought about it. If I didn't have uh, my daughter who's three, I I'd Aww. be I'd be gone. I'd be out of here. But I got to stick around for her. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty where you live. You're in a pretty area. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm I'm pretty lucky. Where the where I have my trailer at is like my backyard is literally like 50, 50 yards away up over the, up over the levee is the Sacramento river. Oh, and so that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like between May and uh, August, all the kite boarders come or kite surfers come and they're just all over the place out here because the wind, because right behind that is a bunch of windmills. So the wind tunnel comes right through here. Which sucks. Oh, in, wow. Yeah, which sucks when it's really windy because it's literally shakes you to sleep in a in a fifth <laughs> wheel. But it's cool to go out there uh, when I take my jet skis out and go and film them and do all kinds of other stuff out there with them. Oh, I wish there was more nature out here like that in South Jersey. I miss I miss that. That's that's the, out west is so cool that way. It's out here too, but it's different. Yeah. I, I I miss that you can just go outside like that and just go on a really long bike ride. Yeah just have space everything's very close we're all very close to one another where i'm at yeah i've never been on the i've never been to the east coast i i look i like when you know that movie uh billions or not the movie the series billions and -hmm. you know the the beginning of it where it's got the drone footage and it's showing manhattan i think that's what Mm -hmm. uh, dude it's so dense there so you've never seen new york city you've Uh never been out here Uh uh-uh a lot of people from out here don't go out west either. They, they, they don't go to California. It's it's interesting. They don't. You guys don't go back and forth. But New York, you should have. I guess when with this is all over, just come check it out. Although New York is not the same right now. I just I worked in Brooklyn last week on something, and um, New York is all boarded up. It's so sad. It's just it's it's crazy to see a city like that just completely boarded up and just shut down. It's just yeah. Well- it, it, well, Cuomo Cuomo's about to get an Emmy. Cuomo, <laughs> uh, uh, nobody likes De Blasio. Yeah, nobody's liked De Blasio. I don't know liberals or Republican liberals or conservatives that like De Blasio. And that city's been falling apart in the last few years. I feel anyway. Yeah, I, I'm I'm an I'm an alternative media guy. I don't follow mainstream at all. I don't listen to. I don't watch CNN. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch any of that crap. That's um, good. And you know. The people that I, I'm, I'm listening to are just uh, independent journalists that I know are just reporting the news in an unbiased way. No opinion. Yeah, no opinion. And it's like, you know, a lot of them are like, dude, I don't like Trump, but, you know, this is what's happening. The facts. And, yeah. You know, that's like the BBC. I try to read a lot of the BBC over anything else because you're, you're getting something. You're like, I just literally want to know the facts. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, it's factual. I'm getting it. Oh, wait, you just inserted an opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you just inserted 
an opinion. Now I just want the, and then you're back to, so I feel like you should text me what you read because that is, I mean, we want to stay informed, but I don't want, I don't need subliminal messages to get them to make me think what they want me to think. Yeah. You know, it's right? a really good, a good, really good one is uh, Whitney Webb. And oh, okay. she's, uh, she has a podcast or a blog called, uh, the unrelentless pursuit of the truth. And oh. she dives deep, like does research, uh, James Corbett's another one. Uh, you can go to CorbettReport.com and everything that he puts on there, he puts where he got the information from and fact checked. So you can go and fact check him, read it for yourself. Cause a lot of this stuff is public knowledge, you know, but the mainstream media doesn't, doesn't report it. You know, they spin no, it. They, no, but not on huh? They spin it the way that they need their agenda to to play out. Exactly. Not on either side. They, they're just, one's just as bad as the other. Yeah. Um, it's just unbelievable how that happens. Yeah, I was telling. I told somebody. I said, you know what? The, the I the mainstream media has done more meddling in this election than the Russians ever could have. <laughs> <laughs> media in general that's why i like to watch the bachelorette (laughs) (laughs) i used to watch that when i had a girlfriend (laughs) my husband and i love to watch it it's like a family night on tuesday night tonight let me tell you my family's gonna be watching the bachelorette later and the kissing sounds are very uncomfortable we mute those and my kids are like oh my god it's so gross (laughs) (laughs) well i mean the one thing about the bachelorette that I, i i uh i always said something about was why is it okay for them to like go and kiss on all these other people and do whatever it is, but we can't, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like speed. Oh, that, COVID. Well, no, 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 not because of COVID, but you literally have In like general. one woman like going and making out with like five other dudes within the course of, you know, I mean, that, I know, that's, that's so da- gro- but that's dating. That's dating. That's what dating is, you know, but you just don't see it like that. You know, you don't talk, you don't talk. I don't think you see it with, yeah, well, I think it's funny, even with a guy or with a girl, they, they, they have a conversation. She's like, okay, tell me about yourself. And then he tells him about, it, and then they immediately start kissing. And then she's like, okay, bye. And then the next guy comes in and then she kisses him. This girl, this one particular girl, she's, she has kissed every single guy within like 10 minutes. I mean, she's, she's the kissing bandit. I, I mean, they're all very good looking, so. It's just swallow that they're exchanging a lot of spit though, I must say. <laughs> I, I guess that's just what hot hot people do when they get together. They just wanna kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> that back when back when back when I was younger, maybe. Uh, as I get older. When you were a hot younger guy, you just <laughs> Yeah, th- these days and as we all get older. Yeah, these days, these days, what I look at doesn't look back. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I'm getting up there. It's like I start noticing different things about myself. You're like, oh, God, when does this happen? And I feel like this. So I shot, I'm working on a Netflix show, and we shot one day in March, on March 12th. And then it shut down. So I've been back to shooting it. And I'm like, it's going to be so clear when I shot in March. Because just between the stress and <laughs> the anxiety and the election and just everything that we've experienced since March. I'm sure, I'm sure we all are just going to look, you're going to be able to tell which the actors that did it before and after, because we're all going to look very much 
older. Yeah. Minutes. So uh, do you want to plug anything or any burning desires you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my burning desire is to get back to The Bachelorette. Um, <laughs> no, uh, thank you. No, this has just been fun. And um, I'd love to come back and be able to talk about some of the other stuff I have coming down the pike and just, just, it's a good conversation it's fishing i'll next time i talk to you i'll let you know if we catch any fish yeah what are you going for um what are they called uh striped bass not striped bass sturgeon um, sturgeon oh those are good have you ever have you eaten sturgeon no because my husband hasn't caught any yet uh, yeah, they're hard the to catch. They, that's what he said they're hard and we have a greedy white we have a 25 foot greedy white oh, that we jealous so we love our we love it. It's older. And we've thought about getting a different boat, but we love it so much. It's so quiet. The engine's off the back. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just such a quiet, great boat. And the, our kids are like, this is not that they're spoiled, but we're just surrounded by some really nice boats mm-hmm. that are like newer. And we're like, this boat's awesome. We're keeping this boat for the next 25 <laughs> years, you know, because that's all you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The seats are unraveling, and but it just runs so well. I, we can't, I can't fathom buying anything. To we just like to use everything to death. Yeah, well, great. my Lexus has two hundred and sixty thousand miles on it. Good for you. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Grady Whites are nice, man. I like the way that they're set up and how they have the the, the cabin and the the back. The way the back is is it's kind of a flat back, whereas a lot yes. of, there's a lot of room in the uh, to move around in the back part to fish and do all. And that. it's quiet. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't smell. It's like just it's so smooth on the water. Um. So, but being out on the water, that's what makes me happy too. I mean, I just it just takes a lot away a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and. It just changes. You can, you know, that's why people spend a fortune to live by the water, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, with ocean views and bay. I like the bay though. As I've gotten older, I prefer the bay more than the ocean. Well, the ocean, the you, the ocean, the salt water, air, and everything else is really hard on everything around it. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to live on the ocean because then you're just you're having to spend so much on maintaining everything that you have around it to be able to live by the ocean. The bay and and you know maybe the the rivers, big river, nice river, those are always a little nicer, I think. You're right. The elements on the ocean. Our buddies bought a big house on the ocean last year. Um, our good friends, and he's just like, God, everything's just rusting. <laughs> just like he's just like we're, we're hanging out by his pool. And he goes, oh, it's just like falling apart. You know, it's just one year of because New Jersey, it's tough. I mean, yeah. East Coast weather is harsh. And he, he's just so, he, he just is noticing all his house. It was so spanking new yeah, a year yeah. ago. And just one winter looks, <laughs> gets, so you're exactly right. Yeah, I was, t- I was telling, I was telling uh, my, my buddy who went, uh, with us, his his fourteen year old son came up, and you know he's then you don't think about stuff when you're fourteen. And I'm, he's oh, I want to get this and I want to get that, and I'm like, all right, well, first of all, I mean, it's one thing to be able to afford the insurance and the payment, yeah. but what people don't really factor in is all the maintenance that goes along with it. And so if you can't afford the whole package, and don't even bother because you're going to end up with a piece of junk that you can't fix, right. <laughs> It's just going to be sitting when your Honda engine gets broken and it's you know four thousand dollars to fix it, which is what happened to us last year. Oh. You know, because there's one guy that works on Honda engines, one guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's 45 minutes away. <laughs> he uh, knows his Honda engine. He only works on Hondas. <laughs> well, that's good. Because at least he, at least, he at least he's a, a he, he's, he's perfect at that. <laughs> yeah. He's the guy that you need. Um, so, and we just have one. Yeah. We, I can't believe these boats now that have like four, what is it? You know, thousand horsepower. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, just unbelievable! You're like, yeah, just into Atlantic, to Atlantic City in five minutes. Yeah, well, I went out on one. So I go uh, the last two years. No, not last year, but two years prior to that, I'd gone uh, to Kodiak, Alaska, fishing uh, for like three days. And the boat that we went on there, it had three 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 hundred. So it's got nine. It, it, but I mean, you're out. You're out there. You do your thing, and bam, you're right back. Great, right? Yeah. So if you're if you're somebody who's paying for a charter and you know because you, you spend all day out on the water, man. When you're done, it's like, ah, I want to get out of here. You know. You just want to make it there, and if you don't pay for the gas, I mean, if, if you have a, if you can afford it, and they can afford to, what is it, a thousand dollars to fill up their tank <laughs> each time. <laughs> those people that have those boats are fine with the gas; they don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you see a lot of those in like uh, in the Keys in Florida. You know where they have where they do the oh there's this one it's a tuna uh, uh oh, it's my my buddy told me it's some tuna tuna fishing deal and and all the all the old timers they all have the slow boats that take them forever to get out and they all stay out on the water and there's the one guy who's a new dude and he's got the one that has the thousand horse horsepower so he gets out there and he can come home every night and so they're they're always talking mess about him. I don't. I can't remember what the name of it is, but I could. I could see that. That'd be pretty annoying. Oh my god! Yeah, he probably has like an Intrepid or something. Yeah, like yeah. One of those fancy boats. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, "I'm back in. Woo! I'm ready. You know, for my afternoon coffee." <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I know I kept you an additional amount of time, but we had to talk boats. Yeah, yeah. We had to talk, talk fishing. I mean, you know, how yeah. often do you get to talk fishing with a woman? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, for sure. Any of anything you got coming out, just uh, shoot me an email and uh, we'll set up another time and do it again. All right. It was so nice to talk to you, Sean. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. I forgot it was even Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.